Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with your host, Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Conversations throughout the world of sports today's a broadcaster, one of the best that I have come across during my time as a broadcaster. Our paths crossed at Pac-12 Networks, where he unfortunately doesn't host and man the desk as of now, but he's got tons of opportunities in front of him as a freelancer, including the NFL Networks on his horizon and Sirius XM Sports. One of the best, Mikey M. Mike, how goes life? Man, first of all, uh, I miss seeing you in studio because we had a blast together at Pac-12 Network, and I can't thank you enough for for the invite. It's it's kind of crazy because I didn't know what to expect. You you have a bunch of barber shops, and I feel like you need a haircut more than I do, and I just book mine. So I, you know, you're covering the uh, the mop there with the baseball cap. Not that anyone can see it, but uh, it is good to at least see your face via Zoom. Yeah, we are on Zoom, and you're right. I do need a haircut these days. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about podcasting and and working in the radio industry as opposed to television where you've kind of mixed and matched crossed over to all genres over the years how did you get your initial passion and love for the sports broadcasting industry and how did you get your start yeah you know what's really crazy about it i've i've thought a lot about sort of my path and my career over the last, you know, six months or so. I've had a little bit uh, more time just like everyone else because of COVID and shelter in place and, and seeing a lot of different things that are happening in our country right now. But, you know, I, I wish I could tell you, Dan, that I was the kid that, you know, was at home calling the games off the television and doing all these like crazy things. I, you know, I, I love sports. I had played when I was a kid, but my entire life, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician. So this not, wasn't necessarily on my radar, but I think back to some of these conversations and it's really amazing. And I'm sure you had sort of the same experiences, right? Like growing up, like you never know who can influence you and who says something that might trigger a thought that sets you on a path. And when I was in high school, I had, I I went to an all boys Catholic high school in Northern New Jersey. And I had a, there was a priest that was there. And, you know, one day he had just said to me, he's like, Hey, you know, you have a good voice. You ever think about being a broadcaster? And I was like, what is, it didn't, it never even occurred to like it wasn't even on my radar that that was a even a job or like b my path or anything that I would even consider. And it's funny because as the years progressed, like it, it didn't make me not want to be a pediatrician. Like I went to Fordham University in New York and I was pre med when I got there. 
but it did plant a seed and it planted a seed. You know, now there's like Sanjay Gupta, right, on, on CNN. But when I was growing up as a kid, you know, Dan, there was like, you know, doctors on, on local news and they would do these segments. And it, it always sort of occurred to me, it's like, oh, maybe I can do that after medical school and I, I become a doctor. And then after one semester at, uh, at Fordham, you know, that, that pre-med, the chemistry thing, yeah, there, was a, there was a pivot here and a hard, hard right turn. And I'll never forget, there was a kid on, on my floor my freshman year one night and he was dressed up in a suit. And I said, where are you going, dude? And he's like, oh, I'm going to go cover the nets. I was like, what? Like, what, what, do you, what, do you, what does that mean? You're going to go and cover the Nets. And he's like, oh, I joined the radio station. We have media credentials. So I'm going to drive to New Jersey and cover the Nets. And I, I was like floored by it. And it was intriguing to me. So I had signed up at the radio station. And, you know, I had got my internships and, and, you know, done all those different types of things. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I knew at that point I wanted to be a broadcaster. But, you know, this is like the longest winded story ever. But it... it I guess the big picture point is just sort of like these conversations that you have. And I didn't understand Danny, no, and it's, it sounds really naive, but as like an 18, 19 year old kid, you look around and, you know, I was watching, you know, sports center. I was, you know, watching the games. It never occurred to me as crazy as it sounds that like this was actually going to be a job. You know, I was in college trying to figure things out and I, I never saw anyone that kind of looked like me. And then one day I was watching ESPN and Michael Kim was on television and I hadn't seen an Asian dude really, to be honest with you on doing sports. And I think that planted a seed for me. And then, you know, as I was in school and I had those internships, I was really, really fortunate. I had some people that really took a, uh, an interest in, in my well-being and, and my career path and, uh, you know, led to some opportunities. And, and, you know, I got to work at Sirius Radio pretty much, you know, right after I graduated, I was doing shows, all NBA shows. I got to work with Kenny Smith. I did the Phil Jackson show. I was doing an all sports show, NBA TV. Then I started getting opportunities with those guys, ESPN Radio, and then was fortunate enough to get a full-time opportunity to do TV at, at ESPN. And I spent four years there and then the last eight years at Pac-12 Network. You mentioned a long-winded story. And I could yeah. honestly listen to people like yours experience and kind of talking about, hey, this comment led me to think about this. Yeah. And then I saw this and I went there. And kind of the snowball effect of anybody's career within any industry, if you're going to have longevity and success, is quite interesting. And so I I knew a lot of that story, but I didn't know the whole thing. And, yeah. and the fact that you made the comment, somebody in your dorm was going to cover a Nets game just completely sparked it for you. Growing up in that area, did, who, who did you root for? And then were there any broadcasters that you liked listening to? Then when you got your chance, you wanted to emulate. It's a, it's a great question because, and, and Dan, your NBA career took you all over the country. And you know, in certain cities, they're, they're basketball towns, right? Like there's like this fandom associated with, with sports. And, you know, I grew up in, I was born in the Bronx and grew up in Northern New Jersey and Fordham is, is in the Bronx. So, you know, people always think about New York, you know, and they associate it with the Yankees and they think New York is a baseball town. And I'll always say this, when the Yankees are great, it's awesome. I grew up a Mets fan, you know, I, and I don't necessarily root for them. Uh, but when the Knicks are good, and I've been on the on the West Coast now for for almost ten years, and I don't know if it's changed because now the Nets are there, and there's the Durant's and Kyrie's and Brooklyn and the whole thing. But I've always said New York is a basketball town, and it's just unfortunate because the Knicks haven't had a, a ton of success recently. But you know, I, I got to cover the Knicks. I got to cover you know the Mets, which was was my team, and. It's, it's really wild just 
you know, those opportunities that you get in Fordham is got such a great broadcasting history. I mean, it goes back to Vin Scully, who I always say is like kind of the godfather of broadcasters. And we would have our radio meetings in Keating Hall, which is kind of like the the center of our campus. You know, the big, you know, every campus has one, right? Like that one building that is kind of that iconic image when they put it on the poster boards and, and send out, you know, the, the pictures on Instagram now and the whole thing. And it, it overlooks our baseball field. And we used to have our radio meetings in on the third floor. I think it was room 324. I mean, God, I graduated in 2003. It was like 319 or 324, one of those numbers. But it used to overlook the baseball field. And the legend was, hey, Vince Scully used to call baseball games inside Keating Hall in this, in this classroom and, and overlook. And, you know, I never had an opportunity to, to talk to Vin or, or, you know, get that advice. But, man, we had so many broadcasters that would come back. Mike Breen, who's, you know, the voice of the NBA now on ESPN. You know, Mike was as fantastic human being that, that there's ever been. He would come back. And I remember he voiced the intro to my demo. I remember after a meeting, I'd say, hey, Mike, is it okay? Could you, could you voice this for, for my demo that I'm going to send out to people? And he's like, for sure. And it's, you know, I think back, hey, this is Mike Green, voice of the Knicks. And you're listening to Mike Am's resume tape. I mean, he was, he was awesome. And we had people like that um, and a lot of other broadcasters and that they weren't even affiliated with Fordham. I mean, heck, Ian Eagle is... I, I was lucky enough to work with him at Sirius Radio and do basketball shows with him. And, and I am still, you know, a mentor and a friend. I mean, I, heck, I'd lost my job at, at Pac-12 Network and my contract wasn't renewed. Ian's one of the first people that reaches out and says, hey, how can I help? You know, and you get these people in your life that are so willing to, to give back. I mean, it's, it's really humbling for sure. But, um, but Ian's always, you know, kind of the, the gold standard. Mike's always the gold standard. Like there's so many great broadcasters that I think you pick and choose from. And when I got to ESPN, you know, I always tell young broadcasters, Dan, and, and you know, this like, everyone's got their own unique style and there's nothing wrong with trying to take a little bit of this guy, a little bit of that guy, and then kind of make it your own. And I, I think my, my four years at ESPN when I got to work with some really talented hosts and anchors, like there were things that I would watch and, and try to emulate some of those things and make it my own. Uh, Dan, you and I had how much fun on, on our sets, right? Like, you know, kind of my, my style, like you just go, like you're just watching hoops, right? Like we were fans. And like, that was the one thing I always wanted to do on Pac-12 network, which was, Hey, have a good time. And, and, you know, not script everything out. Like, so Carl Rapage, someone told me that Carl, when I was at ESPN, like I was 28, maybe when I got the job at ESPN, something along those lines, yeah, 28, 27. And someone said, Hey, Ravi doesn't use a teleprompter. I was like, what is like, are you serious? Cause when I was at ESPN or excuse me, when I was at NBA TV, like I would anchor some of their shows and you know, use a teleprompter. And then I would host a fantasy show and some of it was off of a prompter, but the rest was ad lib and we were taking trade calls and the whole thing. So like I had sort of dabbled in that, but someone said, Hey, Ravi never uses prompter. Like when he's doing baseball tonight. And I was fascinated by it. I was like, yo, this dude is no joke. And then when I got to pack 12 network, um, you know, it certainly didn't happen right out of the gate, but those last few years, Dan, like, you know, we, we watch something, you'd say something in our green room about what you were watching on in one of our games. And I would just bookmark it and say, all right, like, how am I going to be the point guard for Dan Dickow? Like, how am I going to set him up so he can make that point? And I, I think it's just an example of trying to like pick and choose the things that, that you like, that you see from other people, and then take on some of those attributes, but also make it your own. That's fascinating how you as a broadcaster who's had a lot of success kind of put a scouting report together of other guys that you like sure, or yeah. really picked and choose and tried to bring it in to your own um, delivery. Now for most people, they think of sports center and ESPN as being, Hey, this, that's, that's the deal. That's my yeah. job. Yeah. 
So you get to, to Sports Center and, and you're hosting it for a number of years as a pretty young guy. Were you ever intimidated walking in there? And I mean this with all respect, Matt, because yeah, I, I think you and I know each other well enough. Oh, and for you, sure. You, dude. You're very successful at what you do and really good. But is there any point where you were intimidated when you look over and you see Stuart Scott, you see Scott Van Pelt, you see yeah. Neil Everett, who's now obviously heading up the LA area? Yeah. Um, because these are, are some of the, the icons, dudes. of course, hosting shows. Yeah. I, dude, Dan, I would imagine it was the same for you in, and obviously a different avenue, but as a player, like you get to the NBA and my God, like you had so much success and you're on these teams and you're going up, you're probably matching up legitimately going one-on-one with dudes that you were watching when you were in school. Like, and it's a thrill. Um, I'll, I'll never forget even the audition process. The first time, uh, you know, it, it's and for those, you know, I guess not everyone knows, but like when you audition at ESPN, it's an eight hour deal. Like you're doing interviews every 30 minutes, you're in someone else's office and then they give you time in the newsroom to prep two segments and then you go to makeup and then you go out to the set, you do the segments and then you do interviews the rest of the day. And I'll never forget. It was the first time I had someone who was going to do my makeup for me because at NBA TV, I did my own makeup and I'll never forget. I, we, my producer um, at the time who, who Lamb got, he ended up becoming a good friend of mine just because we got to work together at ESPN, but he did my audition and he takes me to the makeup room. And, and at the time it's, it's Robert Flores, who's in the makeup chair and Roflo, I was just a big fan of, cause I thought he was funny as hell when I would watch sports center uh, and Hannah storm is in the seat. And I'm thinking to myself, like, am I like, I need to pinch myself. Like, is this really a thing? And then they walked me out onto the set and it was the old baseball tonight set. And, and people probably wouldn't remember this. This is like 2000. Uh, I got hired in 2008. So this is, you know, that year. And I mean, dude, the heart is like, boom, boom, boom. Like you can feel it. And I, could, I had the nerves that were there, but it was the coolest thing. Cause I was watching these shows from home and I was fortunate enough to, to get that job. And as you go through your, you know, my four years there, like you, you mentioned some of the names you know, you develop these friendships and there's an intimidation factor, certainly because you start working, you know, you, you watch these people and then you start working with them and then you become kind of friends with, with a lot of these folks. I mean, I think people watch, um, you know, sports center now or, or college football or college basketball shows. They see Kevin Connors, like Kev was one of my best friends there. I mean, he, he helped in such a big way, my adjustment, um, at ESPN because he was on the younger side. We weren't too far in age and you know we just became friends deuces rogers who i i got to work with a bunch of years i mean there's so many people and i don't want to you know not mention names but you know like i still to this day keep in touch with a lot of these folks and they check in in, in tough times and um super grateful and i think you know the biggest thing is of course there's an intimidation it becomes less as the days and the years certainly go by um and at the same time like you just develop this this friendship and and those are the moments dan and i'm sure you as a player like you still keep in touch with some of your old teammates there's no doubt in my mind and maybe you were a little intimidated when you got into that first practice and then all of a sudden you know fast forward what a decade you know later and you're you're on these text threads with some of your buddies that that played played in the league like it's a really cool experience so in, in talking about a text thread your network encompasses football basketball baseball a number of different sports because of your time at ESPN, because your time at, at, at Pac-12 Network where you would host studio shows with all these former athletes and turn broadcasters. Biggest name in your phone right now that you could text oh. and know that that person would get back to you by the end of the day. Oh, um, off the top of my, uh, geez, uh, Leinart certainly comes to mind. I mean, I think Matt's, you know, one of the, the all-time 
you know, greatest one of on the short list, greatest college quarterbacks that's ever played. I mean, and this is what I'm talking about, Dan, like we are so lucky to have these experiences with people. And I got to work with Matt for, for a couple of years at Pac-12 network before he went exclusively with, with Fox and he's doing a tremendous job. Like, you know, he, he heard the news about Pac-12 network. I mean, literally that day, my phone, he's texting like, Hey, are you okay? Like what happened? And um, you know, Matt's certainly there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll joke cause I used to ID him this way every time we did a show together, but you know, the, the guy who scored more points than anyone in the history of the conference, you know, Don McLean, who's become a really great friend, Earl Watson. Um, you know, I got to work with him the last couple of years. Richard Jefferson was one of our guys at PAC 12. Like it's, you know, just to, it, it, it's, it's remarkable. I got it. I wish I could speak more eloquently, especially since I get paid to talk, you know, about this <laughs> subject, but it's, it really truly is this awesome network of people. And when you get to know them as actual people and you develop these relationships and these friendships with people, I mean, it really, it's the most gratifying part of the job, Dan, and it's, it's not even close. Yeah. Earl Watson, uh, Richard Jefferson. Yeah. You know what? I know those guys a little bit, haven't played with them, but you know, the fact that a Heisman trophy winner for USC um, reached out and you stay still stay in touch with, uh, I'm going to have to give them the nod by chance. I don't think they will listen to it. Although Earl is going to be joining me oh. ISO at some point soon. You, uh, Earl's the best man. Or uh, like he just also like another, you know, I mean, God, you have a good relationship with them. Like just another level of just good person, low, no ego. Uh, and you're going to, I am actually like, that is for anyone who's listening to this podcast. And my God, hopefully, you know, we've kept you. I don't, I don't know if you're still with us. That's a win in, in my book. Earl is a must listen to edition of your show when you get him on because Dan you know he is a phenomenal storyteller I mean he would have us rolling in our green room just telling us stories like the entire group sometimes would congregate into that green room just to listen to Earl talk about basketball and some of his experiences so that is uh, another reason to subscribe to your podcast <laughs> I, appre- I appreciate the plug that's for sure so again it's the ISO in SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network but you're an East Coast guy. You spent a number of years at, at Sports Center, um, as we had talked about. The o- opportunity came up with the Pac-12 as they start their own network, the Pac-12 networks. And, and we can kind of touch on some of the, the struggles and frustrations that, that sure. has in, happened over the last few years with that network. But you're an East Coast guy. This opportunity on the West Coast comes where you could be like literally, and correct me if I'm wrong, employee number one and kind of put your imprint, your, your, your thoughts yeah. on, on the start of a new network. Yeah. What it was, was the thought process uh, like? And then what was the excitement like when you took the job? So scared out of my mind, uh, you know, it was a small group at that point. So we launched in 2012. Uh, I'll never forget it in August. And just amazing. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because the last, I'd say year and a half, two years that I was at ESPN, I was looking to leave and wanted another challenge. And it was nothing against my time at ESPN, but you know, you mentioned some of the dudes that I got to work with, like, those are great people. And it's like being on a team, right? Like there's a depth chart and I just knew it might never come for me. It might be 15, 20 years before I get the opportunities at ESPN that I was hoping to get. And in my mind, I was like, well, geez, there's Pac-12 Network. I, you know, I could, I could take on that challenge. And that was really appealing to me. And I had never lived outside of the Northeast. And I was a little scared, but I'll never forget. I, I 
did SportsCenter on a Saturday with with Deuces, who I made reference to, and I had switched onto his show to a later show just so that, and it was his last day too, because now he's in Philadelphia, but we had switched, uh, or I had switched so the two of us could actually do SportsCenter on our very final days together. And I'll never forget, like you show up, if you do, you know, SportsCenter, basically you're there eight hours before the last hour of your show is kind of how the schedule works. And you have a production meeting and then you, you kind of get cracking and start working. And I'll never forget that day, Dan, I, I go to the meeting, I leave the meeting, I go to the parking lot, I drive my car out to a truck that was waiting for me. I watch my car get loaded onto a truck. I walk back in, I do sports center, I leave. And when I'm leaving that campus for the last time, I'm thinking to myself, like, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? Like, I am now scared out of my mind. And that was a Saturday. Sunday, I flew out to San Francisco. Monday morning, uh, 9 a.m. is the the HR meeting. I'm doing the onboarding. I get pulled out of the HR meeting and they go, you got to go to the set and we got to start cranking out stuff because we were launching on that Wednesday. And I got to tell you, it's still to this day, Dan, and, and I've been doing this for for. Long, you know, I'm getting old now. Um, it's still the greatest day of my professional career when, when we launched Pac-12 Network. It was an experience unlike anything else that I'll probably ever get to experience for the rest of my life. But the cohesion, Rick Newhouse, all another name we can throw out there. How can I forget? You know, good old coach who's also a big name guy. But you know, Rick and his wife Sue um, were there that launch night. We finish up the show. Dana, we go into our green room and Rick gives this amazing speech. He, he has his wife, Sue, it breaks out like a bottle of Dom Perignon. And I had never had that champagne before. I only knew it from rap videos, watching Diddy and, <laughs> and, and Biggie and the whole thing. And Rick gives this great speech. He's like, Hey, you know, when I was a football coach, I don't think people realize how hard wins are to come by and you have to celebrate the wins because every game day is not always going to be a victory. And what I used to do with my staff, we'd always, after every win, we'd have my staff come over with their families and their wives and we'd take a horn off and, you know, it pops open the bottle and everyone takes a sip of out of this bottle. And I'm, I'm in a room with Ronnie Lott. Hell, I talk about another big name, right? Ronnie, another guy who I've been fortunate enough to be friends with. And Curtis Conway is there. Summer Sanders, the Olympian. I always tell the story. I, I kind of kissed Summer that night because I had a, I, she took her sip and then I took my sip the champagne right after so it was sort of uh yeah okay you know where i'm going with that um no she's barren in the whole deal but it's 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 remarkable like that was such an unforgettable night and then it set me on a path of, of eight years of being able to cover these student athletes and develop relationships with these coaches and being able to talk to students on these campuses it's it's you know dan i mean it was awesome having you know you part of the team when when you were there and, and i was there and doing those shows like you saw like there was like a, a legit genuine care that a lot of people on that staff had for each other. And I hadn't totally experienced that, I think, professionally um, at a lot of the places that I, that I had been at. Well, I will say this. You, you did a phenomenal job uh, of being that, the face uh, of that network. You mentioned you and I did a number of studio shows together. I ended up becoming more on the in-game color yeah, analyst side with yeah. Pac-12 Network's kind of philosophy of how they like to, to put guys. But I always enjoyed working with you. You've seen the ins and outs of the league. You've seen the ins and outs with the network. Um, it's been very well documented, very well covered, and we don't need to go into to too much detail. Um, but obviously, you're no longer there. The network continues to, I don't know if flounder or struggle is the right word, but not necessarily catch the stride that everybody was thinking yeah. it would. 
Yeah. What are the biggest obstacles for Pac-12 networks? And do you think they're going to overcome it? You know, Dan, I, I think the obvious one is the distribution, right? Like that's always been the biggest issue since we launched. It's, you know, people talking about direct TV and the money associated with it. And, and I totally get it. I think the worst, the worst news, and it was the day, um, it, it was a couple of weeks ago, Dan, um, in August, a lot of the people that we worked with, um, a lot of our friends either laid off or furloughed. And, you know, we got a staff of roughly, I'm just ballparking this 190 some odd people and they, they let go, you know, some people in April and in April is actually when I was told I wasn't going to be brought back and my contract wasn't going to be renewed. But in August, when they furloughed, you know, 80 some odd people and let go of another 15 or so at that point, I was like, Whoa, like this is, this is not good. This is bad news. It's a lot of our friends that are experiencing what a lot of people are experiencing right now in our country with the unemployment and the furloughs and, and worrying about their checks and living in the Bay Area where it's expensive. And, um, you know, the best news that I saw was when like said they were going to come back and we could get some football in a couple of weeks and let's get these games, let's get these studio shows back together, let's get people back in the office and start working, which will be great just so they can support their families. But, um, you know, to me, from a financial standpoint, Dan, I, I don't know if like what the correction is going to be, but I do know that we are in a correction for college athletics right now. I think the salaries for head coaches, I think um, the allocation of resources uh, to for facilities, I, I think across the board, stuff like that is is going to slow down. You're seeing Texas, you know, like what they, they probably have the biggest athletic budget in the entire country, you know, furlough some of their staff. I mean, if schools like that and Stanford are dropping sports, like to me, they're, I, I don't know. I, I look, it's not going away, but there's go, there is a market correction that I think we're experiencing right now. That's an interesting uh, point that you make. And I, I hadn't looked at it in those regards, but I think you, you, you speak to a lot of truth because across college athletics and not just the PAC 12, uh, but uh, across every league, it seemed like salaries going up and up and up. And, and at some point it has to plateau and make a correction. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine Dan, like, if you're a basketball coach right now and, and maybe you haven't won as many games, like you, you have to be feeling pretty confident and comfortable, right? Like how many schools are going to be willing to pay two coaches, a buyout and then pay another coach millions of dollars. Like I think there's some job security for some people and their staffs right now, just based off of that. Yeah. I think we, we saw that a lot this year in college basketball because there was less coach movement than there has been over the last 10, 12 years. So I think you're very, very astute with that point and, and kind of very reading into the crystal ball. Really appreciate the time, Mike. I got yeah, one man. last question for you. Um, with all of your time spent um, across multiple networks, uh, covering multiple events, uh, is there one memory that stands out to you? Maybe it was uh, covering a Final Four or being a part of, of Media Day at a Super Bowl or being around a World Series. Is there one event that you sit back and be like, I wasn't just a fan sitting in the 35th row getting a beer spilled on me by a guy behind me. I was there working, <laughs> covering it, and I had an inside angle on the event. God, there's so many, man. I, you know, the U.S. Open and tennis was was always one of my favorite events. I, I got to cover the Subway Series, um, you know, years ago uh, between the Mets and the Yankees. That was an awesome World Series to cover. 
uh, you know, mentioned Final Fours, Oregon, a couple of years ago, making their run and, and being able to be with that basketball team was pretty special. Um, you know, the football game, God, the best football game I ever saw, USC, Penn State in person, Rose Bowl. I mean, are you kidding me? I was on the field. My suit was vibrating. It was so loud. And the comeback and Donald leading the charge. I mean, that was that was an amazing game. Uh, Vegas, oh my God, those Pac-12 tournaments. I, so much, if you're a hoops head, and, and Dan, you know I am, man, like to sit there and be able to, you're invested, you're watching that ball bounce all season, so many possessions of 12 teams in this conference, and they converge to one spot, and they're playing in the tournament. Are you kidding me? The games were were awesome, and that experience was great. The Pac-12 championship games were always awesome. I, I'm not giving you one. I know you asked for one, but my God, like I don't know if I could choose. When, when I just think about some of these experiences, is damn I you know I always say like you're not going to find a broadcaster luckier than I am and as I'm telling you about some of these events man like that just I know that's true like it's it's been it's been awesome man um all of those uh some of my favorites how about that well you you answered it beautifully because quite frankly you can tell the passion in your voice and the emotion that you have towards great sporting events and that you found as opposed to staying on that pre-med course you found a path for you, and that was in sports broadcasting. I appreciate the fact that we've been able to connect um, through our work at Pac-12 Network. Sure, I wish man. you nothing but the best of luck with, with the new endeavors that you've got uh, coming up along the way. And, and hopefully, and I'm not just saying this, Mike, hopefully I'll be back as a guest on a studio at some point. Yes. Let's do it, man. I God, I hope to God I get one of those opportunities to uh, to do something like that. And you and I can work together because I had a blast with you, man. And, and I think people, when they listen to your podcast, and and I don't know because you're you're talking to athletes and coaches and players and broadcasters. I will say this, Dan, your your acumen and understanding of the game was second to none. But I think one of my favorite things about working with you, you had such a keen eye for talent and being able to explain why a guy was going to have success from college to the NBA level. And there was like this nuance that you were able to, to perfectly describe on a lot of those guys. I mean, I used to, we used to talk about those combines, right? And I used to always to like try to push to do shows um, and talk about the NBA draft. And I always wanted you to work on those shows because I thought you were tremendous um, in that category. And you're right, you called a lot of games for us and, and were on site a whole lot. But um, it was always awesome working with you. I can't thank you enough for, for giving me a couple minutes, man, and, and getting to hang out with you. Absolutely. It's been great to... Uh to connect outside of just the occasional text message. Yeah, so Mike, man. we appreciate it. Thanks for joining the ISO and, and best of luck. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that Earl Watson uh, interview that you got coming up as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll let you know when that one drops. Yes. As well. Thanks again, Mike. Definitely, man. Appreciate it. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.